This episode is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free, so you don't have to worry about monthly hosting fees. It has built-in creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Or you can record and edit using your favorite audio recording software and upload it straight to Anchor. Anchor will also distribute your podcast, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Pocket Casts. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and Anchor will even match you with advertisers as your audience grows. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast, Anchor is a pretty great place to start. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H. OR.FM to get started. I once asked on Facebook like what the demographic for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is, and I got back yes. listening to two weebs in a trench coat i'm suzanne and i'm madison and uh this is part two of the gay episode that i wrote too many notes for um (laughs) but basically it got to the point where two hours in and i wasn't done so yeah we're splitting this between and that was on top of the hour we spent just catching up because we had not recorded for Almost two and a half months at that, uh, as of last week. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so last time I got through like a little history, a little contemporary stuff, and like some anime that is as close to explicitly que- queer as we can get with how homophobic um Japan is. Eh. Uh, <laughs> Like, or before we started recording, Madison was actually telling me about one of the YouTubers they watch and how, um... Yeah, so it's... What's his fucking... His name's Connor, but... Let's type Connor into YouTube and I'm sure you'll find it. <laughs> uh, his, his YouTube handle is is uh, CDogVA, but his name's Connor. He's he's a little, he's a little Welsh boy living in, um... <laughs> living in Japan right now. He's a, a voice actor and is, like, an anime YouTuber. But he he does a video series where he he hangs out with like a more of like a travel Japan sort of YouTuber, Chris from abroad in Japan, and like they've in this episode and it like literally came out today I think like they've gone to love hotels before they've gone to like wacky weird stuff just for funsies like they've never like made fun of it or anything or like done it. They've done it because it was, like, something that even locals do because it's a little funky and and weird and fun. Not, like, they're not doing it to make fun of it. But they've gone to Mm. love hotels before and they've, like, shown off the high-end ones. Mm. Uh, Like, I think they've gone to the one with, like, a a two-story water slide in the room sort of thing. Yeah. What? Yeah. In the room? Yes. Uh, That may have been a different 
anime YouTuber, but there there is a love hotel that is famous for having a a very short but like two story water slide in the room. That's wild. Yeah, the expensive ones can get fucking crazy. But this episode, they were going to very 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 low rated love hotels. <laughs> Um, cause you know, that's a trend for views and clickbait. Um, <laughs> but they went to a couple of bad ones that were honestly, mostly they were just old. It was mostly they were old mm-hmm. and dated cause they were in, uh, Osaka. So it was mm-hmm. just, they're just old and dated. They weren't like awful and ungodly. They were just <laughs> old and the age was starting to show. But then as soon as they like tried to jump up price point to go check out another like a couple of other love hotels they wanted to go to one specifically because it had like a hot tub in the room or something or it had a sauna in the room and immediately like three times in a row the minute they tried like they'd purchase the room and they'd go to walk to the room and like three two three times in a row someone at the front desk who was not there would appear from nowhere and go absolutely not Two men going to a room together is not allowed. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, one, I think they just didn't see the lady at the desk, and she... For one of them, she maybe seemed a little more apologetic, like it was not a personal thing against gay people, but it was it was very <laughs> much like the, ho- the Love Hotel's policy. But the second time that it happened, like... There was no one at the front desk and this dude came running out of like a out of like the the back employee area probably watching the security cameras to like go and stop them and like refunding them for the room. What the fuck? Yeah, and they're not even a couple. They're just two homies going to explore like and hang out and just like review the rooms. They're not going to fucking as far as we know, I mean, I don't know what happens when the cameras turn off, but, like, yeah. for the video, they're literally just going to to rate and review and, like, hang out. And they got turned away, like, several times in a row. And, like, literally, I, th- uh, I think uh, Chris, uh, who is more fluent in in Japanese than Connor, because Chris, like, moved originally to Japan to be an English teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, he made a point of noting that the language... That the the guy who like came out of the back area used with them was like very rude and and like was literally like two guys no like not even like it was very rude very curt language mm. used which is like ooh that sucks <laughs> that feels gross yeah. these two dudes who are you know they are white dudes in Japan um. Mm-hmm. They are straight, as far as I know, but they were like, yeah, this fucking sucks, because we're not even a, a couple, we're not even going to the love hotels to fool around, and, like, imagine how that feels if you were gay and trying to go to a love hotel for its actual intended purpose. Like, this fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Hey. Yeah, I, think th- I think that, especially in the US, people don't realize how bad it is yeah because like i have living memory of even just the last decade things getting better like like it was more popular to be homophobic than it was to support queer people Mm -hmm. 
and that's shifted in the U.S., but in other places, it's, like, legitimately dangerous to even be out. Um, Yeah. Like, breaking off for a second to talk about, like, queer culture in America, like, yeah, it's not great. And, Mm -hmm. you know, now we had, like, there's always been queer people, I know, and then, like, we had Regan in the whole AIDS incident, and we lost a bunch of queer, like, an entire generation of queer people. However, now we're fighting the weirdness that happened after gay marriage got legalized, to where, for some reason, people thought that that meant, like, gay rights are won, it's over, we don't have to fight for anything anymore. Which is- The white gays got what they wanted, so everyone else can just figure it out, I guess. So why are they complaining? Everything's okay, (laughs) right? Um, So we're now fighting that weirdness, but also, like, compared to other countries, Mm -hmm. America is not the worst place to be gay in in 2021. Depends on if you're trans and also depending on if- and where you live specifically. Yeah, like to be just in terms of of in the queer umbrella just under sexuality, it's not the worst. Mm-hmm. Of course things get harder and are still pretty shitty depending on if you're trans, intersex, um, you know, and not even to mention like if you are a queer person of color in America. Like that's the yep. that's the bottom of the fucking barrel for for treatment, <laughs> homie. Yeah, or or like heavily generalizing, obviously, but um, I mean, yeah, I think that fucking... <laughs> I, I think that one a lot of liberals tend to assume that everyone in the South who can just like you know saw Florida and we'll be fine, but like not... let's pretend I guess there aren't any um fucking... like marginalized people uh... in those states. Yeah, and also I think younger people I've noticed especially have like a certain baseline of. I want to say, like, dignity that I, that they expect, um, which mm-hmm. is good. But I also think that, like, like especially some of the anime I mentioned last episode, they're, like, crumbs. They're basically yeah. nothing to kids who now have, like, She-Ra and Steven Universe and all these other shows that are just openly queer. Yeah, Which, Owl like, House. the creators fought for. Yeah, Owl House, which, like... Y'all are practically swimming in queer content, even though it's, like, not nearly as much as what straight people get. Yeah. But, um... Compared to I when we were that... growing up? Holy shit. <laughs> my, my first um, experience seeing gay people on TV was MTV Next. Oh my god. Like, I remember um, my mom had it on for some reason, and it was, like, one of the gay episodes. It was, like, a bus full of the most messy like two of the guys on the bus just started making out i don't even know if they went on a date with like the main person substances and then i remember <laughs> it's because everyone was on substances and it's reality tv <laughs> yeah that makes sense but i remember like looking up from whatever i was i think i was like playing with toys on the floor and i look up and then these two guys like macking on this bus and i'm like oh i guess that's a thing that two men can do and then i couldn't be homophobic after that Oh my god. <laughs> god. But yeah, just to reiterate, like, we're, like, okay, first off, not to be American-centric on a podcast from two Westerners talking about non-Western shit. Um, <laughs> but, like, just to reiterate, like, clearly, 
us being like, if you live in these areas in America, it's slightly less bad than if you're over here. Obviously, all generalizations, we can't speak for our fellow marginalized queers that live in Missouri or Louisiana or Tennessee, uh, because we don't live there. We're in very urban areas on the East Coast and the West Coast. But, you know, like, we're aware that it's it's better in some places and, and not as great in others. And and in America, it's across fucking state lines, which is, is shitty. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really wild to me how America works. But yeah. um, we're also getting very <laughs> off topic. Well, it's um. another, it's another, listen, it's another episode idea for the Patreon, for the podcast Patreon. Madison and <laughs> Let's Suzanne. Let's talk about how fucked up America is. Madison and Suzanne complain about America for two hours. <laughs> I'd listen to it, honestly. Um. So I wanted to talk about paradise kiss because they didn't get to it yet and then go into manga and then briefly mention um some queer creators yeah but the the queer creator list is literally one person because theirs is the only um wikipedia page i could find but also people just aren't out in japan for very good reason yeah um so if the they're mostly in entertainment rather than like uh, manga or, or or anime, yeah, yeah. Um, so there are mostly gay entertainers, um, and everyone else is kind of like like there's some there's at least like one trans um, politician in Tokyo, um, but as far as like mangaka or um, like anime directors and stuff like that, yeah. it's very. Like, I, I couldn't really find anything, like, from them confirming that they are queer yeah. and, like, being out. And, like, mangaka especially are already, like, incredibly private people to begin with on a good day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, did we talk about, like, how, did, I don't remember, did we talk about how, like, yeah, gay is still gross and a lot of Japan is significantly homophobic, but, like, there's a weird acceptance of cross-dressing culture? Did we talk about that? I don't remember. No. Um, so I didn't get into it in my notes, but uh, there is this... I think I've mentioned it some, like, briefly on other episodes, but there is this kind of perception that you can be gay as a performer and people will draw the distinction between, like, gay people as entertainment and then actual gay people. Yeah. Like, if you're gay as a persona, that's fine. But if you're gay in yeah. everyday life as a normal dude, that's not okay. We ha- Boo, we yeah. hate you. <laughs> um, you can be gay as long as, like, you make it clear that you're not, like, a normal person so that the yeah. rest of us can feel secure in our sexuality. Yeah, um, exactly. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's there's this, uh, I think he was a pro- he's a pro wrestler. Um, and he had this persona called Hard Gay. Um, and he wore, like, like a leather daddy kind of outfit. Oh, no. Um, yeah. And he would, like, have this very, like, stereotypically gay act. But he's a straight man. So oh, he did all no. of this, like, like <laughs> pretending to be gay for entertainment purposes, but he wasn't gay. Yeah. Oh, so it's kind no. of infamous. I had to I had to make sure I uh 
qualified Googling the phrase hard, <laughs> phrase hard gay with wrestler, so I didn't just get gay porn. Because I'm not, mm-hmm. like, I'm not on, I'm at home, I'm not going to have safe search on. Uh, <laughs> Type in hard gay and get a lot of dicks. Um. Yeah, ooh, this, like, even just looking at screenshots of him from, like, matches and stuff. Like, it's very clear that this is a performance. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very clear that this dude is a straight dude. Like, yep. even if I didn't know he was a straight dude putting on a gay performance as a character, I'd be like, that's a, that's a straight dude cosplaying as a gay guy. Mm-hmm. Because, I don't know, his vibes are off. <laughs> you know how, you, you, so, like, you could just tell when someone's cosplaying a gay person. I don't know. It's it's such a weird concept, too, because some people are so good at keeping their labels and preferences private that it's led to problems in, like, fandom where <laughs> creators have to out themselves because mm-hmm. fucking baby fandom, mm-hmm. baby fandom gays didn't believe, like, didn't believe that they could write about a topic or portray a topic without having that specific mental illness or identity themselves. And like people have had to forcibly out themselves. So people, so like people would leave them alone and that's shitty. Um, I know that's a little off off topic, but it's related to like the, you can't always tell and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But like, for some reason, you can always tell when a straight person is cosplaying as a gay, as like a gay. Like, it's like, yeah, no, you're not, you're, you're straight. You're doing it wrong. The vibes are rancid. I just keep thinking about, um, because, so the author, God, I'm gonna have to cut this. But the author of um, the book that Love, Simon is based on, like, first of all, the name of the book is called Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. Yeah. Which is like, what straight person is going to write a title like that? And for some reason in my head, I thought the author was out as bi already. So I got very confused when people got like mad at them for writing um, like the Love, Simon book. And, like, a couple others set in the same universe with, like, other queer characters. So she had to go and write, like, a whole essay about, like, figuring out her sexuality and, like, coming out to her family and her husband and stuff. And having to be, like, I had to figure out this thing that I didn't even figure out until I was in my 30s. And then have the entire internet on my ass telling me that I was, like, this horrible poser taking away work from actual queer people. And I had to tell the entire world that I'm queer. Yeah, Um, it's fucking terminally online fandom people and also terminally online fandom baby gays. And, like, I get it. I get, like, being frustrated by straight people writing our stories because it's happened for so long. Yeah. But also, like, we can't out people. (laughs) Yeah, also, please use an ounce of critical thinking and, like, if it's written badly... And probably straight person. Go read person. something that's better. Yeah, <laughs> Just probably go read straight, something that's better. Probably straight person. Uh, if it's written, if it's written good, if they seem like they know what they're talking about and have not said anything about their sexuality or gender, maybe leave them alone because maybe they know what they're talking about. And no Perhaps. one owes you their identity. Like no one owes you the specifics of what they identify as ever. Anyway, 
oh, MCR fandom, is that you? Anyway. Um, ha! So- <laughs> God. <laughs> Bandom in general? Oh, God. Hoo-la. Anyway. <laughs> We're never going to get to this episode. Um, so, um, I didn't get to it last time on the anime list, but I wanted to mention Paradise Kiss. So, Paradise Kiss is an, an anime that came out in 2005, uh, created by Ai Yazawa from 1999 to 2003. Yazawa also created Nana, which I have talked about before, uh, at least in an episode that should come out before this one, which I also recommend, even though it has been on hiatus for over a decade now. 12 years, baby. <laughs> Not as, not as really good. I feel like, would you say that Nana has a little bit of queer baiting? Not queer baiting. It's just aggressively heterosexual at times. Yeah. Like, they feel like there are a lot of problems that would be solved if, first of all, the two main characters just got together. Yeah. Um, they're clearly in love with each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then also there are just like problems that arise because straight people have weird, bad dating rules. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a hot minute since I've read Nana. Like, I haven't picked it up since I was in middle school. But, um, yeah, I remember I remember being like, I thought this was about the two... The, what, you're telling me these aren't lesbians? Harold, they're lesbians! You're telling me... You're telling me a shrimp fried this rice? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, I always, I always thought it was made weird. This bait. Um. But yeah, Paradise Kiss. Yeah, so Paradise Kiss or Parakiss is actually based in the same universe as uh, a previous work by the same uh, author called Neighborhood Story or Gokinjo Monogatari, uh, which isn't yet published in English, but Parakiss hmm. is its own standalone story, so you don't need to read um, Neighborhood Story to understand what happens in Paradise Kiss. Just some of the characters that show up in the previous work show up in this one. Okay. Parakis is about Yukari Hayasaka, who is a high school girl who stumbles across the world of fashion in the form of this group of local art students from Yazawa Art Academy. So pretty much she like is walking home one day and this weird guy is staring at her. And then she's like turning around to try and leave. And this really tall girl shows up and she just kind of freaks out and passes out and then when she wakes up she's like in this club they all hang out in oh um, anime yeah i love that um so basically like they want her to model for them because they're all art students who make clothes and they need a model so mm-hmm. they're like you'd be perfect and she kind of just gets roped into it and is like ignore the fact it, that we okay. kidnapped you <laughs> kidnapped her by accident she passed out um but yeah so it's like this kind of it kind of has an overarching plot but it's more about the these characters and their stories and how they came to be art students and their kind of their private lives and why they're into art in the first place and stuff like that um and they're all like slightly older than yukari but she learns a lot about like what artists are like and what it takes to do it for a living. Um, and the kind of people who make the clothes that like regular people on the street wear. Yeah. But what I like about Paradise Kiss is that one, it has a bi character who actually calls himself bisexual. Yeah. It isn't just like, 
I don't use labels or um, fuck you. <laughs> it's like it's okay if you are bi and that's your thing. That's totally fine. What's annoying though is when media uses the I don't have labels thing as, as a like, cop out. Yes, stop doing that shit. It's super annoying and makes it seem like bi people aren't real, as if we are all just going through this extended phase and we'll pick a side eventually. Stop yep. it. Yeah, so Joji George Koizumi is one of the main characters. Uh, he's bi. Um, what's interesting is actually that Yazawa was actually very involved in the production of the anime. Mm-hmm. And she actually wanted to slightly tone down his character, like tone down the fact that he's bi. And he's actually also a little into like sadomasochism. Masochism? Maskist? Yeah. Yeah. He's a little kinky. And so she wanted to tone it down, and the director was actually like, no, that isn't true to his character. So they do tone it down a little bit, um, but they allude to him being bi in, like, the last episode. Okay. So, like, it's not great, but also they could have just cut it out entirely. So I find it interesting that the director, like, the creator wanted to... Tone it down. Basically, yeah, tone it down, take it out, and the director said... No, that's not true to the character. Let's at least allude to it. That's so interesting. I wonder if that was either like maybe regretting writing that character a specific way or maybe I think just... it was the translation from manga to anime. Like you can get away mm. with a lot more in manga, but with anime since it's broadcasted, especially cuz this is 2005, so this would be like broadcast on TV. It might be like in a very yeah. late slot, but it would still have to go through like those censors and have a much wider audience. So yeah. to avoid alienating people, she wanted to cut it out, but the director was a lot more like we should leave this stuff in. It's important to the story, it's important to the character. Yeah, I mean that's what I was going to that's what I was going to say. It sounded like it was probably like for that reason, because it it was going from being a, a written visual media that you had to choose to pick up, like if it was being broadcast on TV, anyone and their grandma could tune in <laughs> and see it definitely reach a wider audience that way. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing about Paradise Kiss is that it has a trans character, uh, Isabella yeah. Yamamoto, who isn't made into a spectacle for being trans. And... Especially for an anime from 2005, is like very good to this character. Um, yeah, like a freaking startlingly respectful portrayal considering when it came out. Mm-hmm. Like, I think at one point, Yukari notes that she's very tall and she's very beautiful. And George, kind of like the leader of this group, is the f- person who made Isabella's first dress. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the first person to tell her that, like, if you want to wear dresses, you should wear dresses. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's it's very sweet. Uh, like, there's a episode in the anime where Isabella says, like, this is who, like, I've known George since I was a kid, and he was the first person to make my first dress and, like, support me. Oh. Yeah, it's very cute. It's so good. Yeah. Um. So, like, like I said before... Yazawa, the mangaka, was very involved in the production of the anime. And the director, Osamu Kobayoshi, pushed to have that stuff kept in. Mm -hmm. So Kobayoshi has also directed Beck, which is a 
music anime uh, about like oh. this punk band. I've seen maybe like two episodes, mm-hmm. but it's been on my list forever. It has kind of the same vibe as like Paradise Kiss and Nana a little bit. Okay. And he's also directed some episodes of Naruto Shippuden. Um, he's oh, worked on yeah. Gungrave, on Gurren Unfortunately, he died on April 17th of this year. Oh, no. Yeah, it was very sad because I clicked on um, like his Wikipedia page and I was like, oh, this dude sounds awesome. And then it turns out he died like in April. Oh, man. Um, pretty young, too. He was, only, he was only 57. That sucks. Jesus. Yeah. But yeah, that's... That's Paradise Kiss. Um, I feel like I couldn't. It's it's like been on my list to talk about forever. But mm-hmm. okay, so now we can get into my ten pages of notes about manga. Hell yeah, let's um, go. <laughs> one of the ones on my list is called "Boys Run the Riot," which has was just translated into English starting summer of twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. And so it's about a closeted trans boy. Uh, his name is. Ryo Watari, and he loves fashion. Aww. As you can imagine, most Japanese people don't really know what being trans means. Um, kind of like if you ask someone of a certain age in the 80s about trans women, they'd probably be like, oh, you mean like Buffalo Bill? <sighs> Boys Run the Riot focuses a lot on um, Ryo's dysphoria and rejection, both of himself and from other people. Oh. But it is... Very cool and refreshing to have, like, a trans character tell their own story. Yeah! And so one of the ways that Ryo tries to work through his dysphoria is expressing himself through art. And the story kind of really starts when this new transfer student, Jin Sato, arrives. Mm -hmm. Um, And he has this, like, really, he has this cool haircut and he wears jewelry. And he's really flashy and he sticks out. Um, he doesn't give a shit what everybody else thinks of him. Hell yeah. And you're always really mad because, like, he tries so hard to not have anyone pay any attention to him. And then this guy mm-hmm. walks in, like, dressed ridiculously, he says. And but- people don't treat him like a freak. Uh-huh. But so it turns out that Ryo and Jin both kind of have the same fashion sense. Like, they... You know, after school, we'll go down to, like, Main Street and go shopping and stuff. So they end up at the same store and both reach for the same shirt. And they're like, wait a minute, you're into this stuff? Wow. Um, <laughs> and um, Yeah. But then, like, Yo ends up coming out to Jin and is like, I can't be like you. And Jin is like, what do you mean? And he's like, because I'm trans. And Jin's like, oh, that's it? Oh, I thought you just didn't want to hang out with me. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, so then they like, so Jin is like, we should start a fashion brand together. And this whole time, Yuro is like, you're insane. There's no way this would work. And Jin's just like, whatever, dude. Just like, let's just do it. I love that. That's great. Yeah. I think the first chapter is free on the Viz media website. And I've read like part of volume one and volume two just came out. But if you're looking for queer manga, specifically trans manga, you should definitely pick it up. Don't pirate it. Um, Because this is like, we want to try and support and encourage this kind of stuff. So if you can pick it up, Um, I, uh, I think Boston Public Library has a copy. So I've been reading that. 
whenever the one copy available is like nice. <laughs> available. But yeah, the art is cool. The story is really interesting. It does have that problem where like just cis people are shitty in it. Like Rio isn't out. Um, so he's misgendered constantly. People think he's like a weird girl. <sighs> um, yeah. Which is really frustrating, but Yeah. Is it still being published in, like, a weekly magazine right now? Yeah. Cool. Um, next to my list is What Did You Eat Yesterday? A manga by Fumi Yoshinaga, who also did Antique Bakery. Okay. Yes. Antique Bakery, All My Darling Daughters, um, a bunch of other, like, one-shots in the series. Mm-hmm. What Did You Eat Yesterday is still running, has been running since 2007. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and it's focused on these two older gay men in their 40s. Oh. Yeah. So one of them's a lawyer and the other one's a hairdresser. Um, oh, God. I didn't put the names in, did I? Okay. We're going to piece this together. Let's go. <laughs> so... Shiro is this very serious lawyer, and Kenji is, like, this very cheerful, outgoing hairdresser. Mm -hmm. And basically, the manga is, like, a cookbook with a story around it, kind of. So... Oh my god, that's so cute! (laughs) So, Shiro is very... He loves to cook. He's very intense and serious about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of his favorite pastimes is, like... He's very serious about making sure he gets to the grocery store right after work to get the sales. Oh Um, my god. Like, one of the ways he meets this uh, woman is he... There's, like, a sale on watermelon, and he's standing there being like, I want to get one, but it's too big for me and Kenji to have by ourselves. And there's this other woman next to him who's also thinking the same thing. And he turns to her and he's like, he's thinking like, I can't ask this stranger to share a watermelon with me. And she freaks out yeah. and is like, are you going to assault me? And instead of saying something like, no, no, I just want to share this watermelon or like, here's my business card. I'm a lawyer and a nor- normal person. He says, no, no, it's okay. I'm gay. And he's like, never come out to anybody other than his parents. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> So then she's like, oh, okay, good. So then she invites him in to split the watermelon. She invites him to dinner. Um, and her daughter comes home. She's like, um, this is Shiro. I just met him. He's gay. And then her husband comes home and is like, this is Shiro. He's gay. <laughs> oh, like, my God. Unfortunately, I love it. <laughs> oh, oh, it's no. very funny. It's very good. So I think because this is not really concerned with, like, budding romance or, like, teen drama or whatever. It's about these, like, older men who, like, have been around the block. So it's not, like... Yeah. It's very slice of life. It's a lot slower paced. I feel like it's a lot more realistic. Because their problems are, like... (sighs) They're, like, some very serious problems. Like, Shido isn't out at work and he doesn't want to be. He's very afraid of being seen in public with his partner Mm-hmm. Kenji is a lot more open like he's a hairdresser but like Shido will freak out if Kenji is like very open in public is too overtly gay in public <laughs> yeah so yeah I've been reading a couple volumes I think I'm on like volume five or something because the uh, library uh, has the ebook versions mm-hmm. but it's kind of like 
the slice of life story with like the reality of being a gay Japanese man kind of woven into the story. Um, yeah. Like they have these friends who are a couple. Um, and at one point they come to Shiro and ask, I want to adopt my partner. Um, so one of the ways that same sex couples can have like a legal connection because you can't get married to your partner Mm -hmm. if you want to leave them something in your will basically they have to be like your family so let's say like you write a so let's say like you write a will and you want to will like your house it will go to your family but like let's say you're estranged from your family you don't want them to get anything but you want it to go to your partner um some couples will like adopt the younger partner as their child, basically, because that's the only way they can make that legal connection. Jeez. Yeah. The implications. Right? Jesus Christ. That's <laughs> like woof. Like imagine you you can't get married, but you can adopt your partner. As you can adopt your son. this 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 other full grown <laughs> autonomous adult. Mm-hmm. That's buck wild. Mm-hmm. And there are, like, other moments, like, um, uh, Shiro's parents know that he's gay, and they're kind of getting used to it, but they're, like, the story alludes to the fact that Shiro's mother, uh, went through a period of time where she would, like, she was desperate for him to not be gay, uh, she joined mm-hmm. a bunch of cults, um, Oof. she, <laughs> yeah, she spent a lot of money, um, trying to find, like, cures and stuff. Oh no. Yeah, and you get the sense that, like, he feels guilty about the fact that he can't give... Because his parents were so excited about having grandchildren, and they won't have them now. Yeah. So, like, their neighbor has younger children, so they kind of treat her kids as their grandchildren, but... Oh. Yeah, there's this sense that, like, he, as the oldest, has kind of, like... Like, his mother has had to sacrifice this idea of what his life was going to be um there's a lot of emphasis in japanese culture of like getting married and having kids um Mm -hmm. like you just you don't not do that yeah um there's something else too oh so like this woman that um shido met through the watermelon she (laughs) what a sentence (laughs) um i can't remember what her name is but she she's very nice to him they're like good friends um they'll cook together sometimes i think he mentioned like you're very accepting of me and she was like and i think he talks about the fact that like his mom is still kind of struggling and she says well yeah you know like it's okay if you're gay but if my daughter said she was then would have problems which feels like (sighs) right which is both very realistic and also just kind of depressing because like I can't tell yeah. you how many times, like, there are so many people who are, who say they're not homophobic and say they're accepting, but if their own child came out to them, like, they wouldn't be able to handle it. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's okay if other people are gay, but you're not allowed to be gay. And if you are, I'll threaten you or, like, kick you out, disown you, make you homeless. Like, it fucking sucks. hmm Jesus. <laughs> Um, so next on my list is My Brother's Husband from 2014. Which, oh, yes. I've heard of this one. Yeah. A lot of people have heard of this one because it's kind of like the gay manga that everyone has heard of. 
mm-hmm. which I haven't read yet. And I keep finding it in, like, every comic book store and every bookstore I go to. And I never get it because it's, like, $30. Oof. Um, And I don't want to, like, fucking pirate it. So I just have to yeah. wait. Like, it's it's important to to use your exchange money. <laughs> for goods and services. For goods and services when they are something that you personally believe in. Mm-hmm. To show that, like, hey, people care about this thing. Hey, capitalism, maybe you should consider continuing to produce stuff like this. Mm-hmm. However, if it's, like, d- fucking Disney, Disney's not gonna... <sighs> Disney's Fuck not gonna Disney. hurt. Disney's not gonna hurt if you fucking pirate a movie. Like, mm-hmm. everyone who already worked on it already got paid. Like, you're yep. not... You're not hurting anyone by pirating a big blockbuster movie. That's different for indie shit. Don't pirate indie shit. Pay for indie stuff. Pay for stuff from smaller creators and and indie creators and anyone that's not under one of, like, the big fucking three media companies. Yeah. That's important. My brother's husband, which... <laughs> It is it is more of like a bittersweet story, huh? Cuz like the premise is a little sad. Yeah. So, it's by Gengoro Tagame. Uh so it was serialized from t- 2014 to 2017 and had a live action drama um in 2018. Oh yeah, it did, huh? Um and the series is about uh single father Yaichi and his da- daughter Kana and the his brother's husband mike flanagan who is he's very funny like there? reading yeah he's canadian but it's very funny reading the summary and being like single father yaichi and his daughter kana and mike flanagan um, i'm like see i was gonna ask was he supposed to be american because i didn't remember and i was like is he supposed to be like irish american what's that last name <laughs> oh my god <laughs> One of the most Irish last names, Jesus. <laughs> no, he's Canadian. Yeah. Um, so Mike is Yaichi's estranged and recently deceased twin brother. Yeah. So the the story is pretty much about like, uh, so it focuses on like homophobia, cultural differences, and family, and like, it was huge when it came out. Um, it won. Mm-hmm. Um, J- Japan Media Arts Award, it won Japan Cartoonist Association Award, it won an Eisner, which, like, if you don't know, is, like, pretty much the Oscar of comics. Like, mm-hmm. um, like, Watchmen has won it. Like, if you win an Eisner, it's pretty much, like, you're fucking good at what you do, and the comics industry respects that. Can we use a different... <laughs> Can we use a different example than Watchmen? I fucking hate Watchmen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> To any Watchmen enjoyers, <laughs> sorry to any listeners who are Watchmen enjoyers, I I don't dislike Alan Moore, but I find Watchmen's just, I find Watchmen just absolutely fucking pedantic and average. Like, I can't, I, I mean, I know the point is to, like, no one in it is, a, like, a good person, but, like, I fucking, I can't stand Watchmen. <laughs> uh. <laughs> ah, God. I think... Saga has won one. Okay, good, fine. Recent... Saga's good. <laughs> Love um, Saga. Umbrella Academy won one. Oh, good. Love Umbrella yeah. Academy. Yeah. Do the do the widow and the brother 
get together or do they just end up like co-parenting the daughter? I I think they're just co-parenting. Okay. Cuz yeah. I I I have only ever seen like screenshots of panels. I've never actually read it, so I wasn't sure if like the two adults getting together was end game. <laughs> Or if they just got to, like, a mutual agreement of, like, respect and tolerance and then end up co-parenting or something. Mm -hmm. I actually didn't know. Yeah. I mean, I haven't read it, so I couldn't tell you, so. Fair Uh enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like a good content creator. I'm not going to pretend I have read it, um, so. No, listen. Watching all two, uh, how many episodes of Detective Conan? Um, at least a thousand? thousand and thirteen. Yeah, that was more important. It's fine. That's what's <laughs> taken up your brain. <laughs> but yeah, uh, my brother's husband was created by Gengoro Tagame, who is considered um, a very influential creator of gay manga. Um, he's produced over twenty books. Uh, he's been working for over forty years as a manga artist. Yo. Uh, he actually started in a yaoi magazine called June before he started publishing manga and prose for gay men's magazines. Huh. So, like, there was a history of gay men writing for yaoi magazines. Um, it's not just nice. all straight women fetishizing gay yeah. men. Yeah, because I know we talked about that a little bit last episode. Like, there are actual gay people, like, writing gay content for gay people to consume, like, just because the loudest or most visible part of the creators or consumers that you see are not gay people doesn't mean that it's not being created by gay people. So, uh, Tagame was, being a manga artist was his side hustle for a while. So he worked as a graphic designer and oh. art director until at least 1995, um, when he co-founded the magazine G-Men and went full-time as a manga artist. Hell yeah. Good for him. Yeah. You love um, to see it. <laughs> so mostly he created erotic and pornographic manga with a... Like you do. Yeah. Um, with like a heavy emphasis on BDSM, like uh, sexual violence and hypermasculinity. So, I mean, like, we don't have to. We don't have time to go into the <laughs> the history of the intertwined history of kink and queer culture. But yeah, that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, but like, basically, his stuff was very like geared towards gay audience and not like child friendly. Obviously. Um, yeah. Until he did my brother's husband, and so and that gained mainstream recognition. Um, I love to imagine the dichotomy of people reading my brother's husband and then being like, oh, I wonder what, what else this guy's author done? <laughs> I wonder what else he's he's written. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Boy. Um, That's really funny. Yeah. But he, I think he said that he prefers to do the more, like, kind of hardcore stuff. Um, but he is interested in maybe doing, like, one or two more of, like, the kind of mainstream my brother's husband type stories yeah whatever floats your boat dude we we are starving for stories of all kinds (laughs) genuinely yeah so another one on my list is my lesbian experience with loneliness from 2016 that sure is a title (laughs) 
which I think has also gone kind of mainstream. Uh, and I know that because I can find it in like Barnes and Noble now. Um, oh, okay. Whoa. Hello. Yeah. Um, so I've only read. I a mean, little... I'm sorry. I mean, to be fair, you can get Yahweh at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> yeah. But this will be like when they have like the LGBT spread during June, they'll have like this book there too. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I can vibe with that. Yeah. So I've only read a little bit of it, but the artist does a really good job of incorporating isolation into the artwork. Like even if the panel is full of other people, you can still kind of get the sense of loneliness from the story. Mm-hmm. So basically it's like a kind of an autobiographical work um, about a woman discovering her sexuality and having experiences and sexual and romantic experiences with other women. Mm-hmm. It was super interesting too, because I can't remember the last time I read a story from like a queer, specifically lesbian woman that wasn't like Yuri, that isn't like for specifically Yuri fans. Oh. Yeah. But it's like, it's a very interesting, it's kind of sad at times and also kind of funny. It's super interesting, really well done. I think a sequel came out a few years ago too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this is one of the more accessible ones. Like you can find out Barnes and Noble. Um, it's been translated yeah. into English at this point. And then, at least the last one on my list is a manga called I Think Our Son is Gay. And it's a manga by Okuda. I assume this is a pen name, but I cannot find out who this person is other than they published this and another manga called That Blue Sky Feeling which is also queer and is actually serialized in a shonen magazine. Ooh, okay. So I think Our Son is Gay has been serialized since 2019 and has been published in English since 2020. And Mm -hmm. it's a slice-of-life manga from the perspective of a young boy's mother. Her name is Tomoko. And the story is told as if she's talking to her husband. Her husband is often away on business trips and isn't always around to, like, see all their son's milestones. Um, Mm -hmm. but basically Tomoko suspects that, um, their son Hiroki is gay. He's not out, uh, but he's very bad at hiding it. Um, (laughs) it's very cute. Um, so I've only read like a chapter or two, but it's so cute and it's very funny. I think there is a part where Tomoko asks her son, um, something about dating and he's like, yeah, it'd be nice to have a boyfriend. I mean, a girlfriend. Um, and it's like stuff like that where he Bloody. like, like at one point, I think he leaves like a porno mag on his desk or something. And it's like a gay yeah. porno mag. Um, and his mom sees it and is like, oh, okay. And then, but like he comes home and like freaks out and was like, mom, did you see anything on my desk? And she's like, no, I didn't notice anything. <laughs> like oh my god cuz cuz at this point she already knows but like he he isn't ready to come out to her so she's like it's okay i already accept him but i'll wait for him to come out to me um, that's really sweet though it is. It's i mean super cute i mean relatable cuz it's what happened <laughs> with my parents i tried really hard to hide that i was dating a at the time someone who identified as a girl mm-hmm. um and i just didn't talk about it 
And then when I came out, my parents were like, yeah, duh. (laughs) (laughs) My parents were like, duh, Madison. (laughs) Um, I mean, granted, I did have to then uh, deal with the like, oh, you're dating a dude. I thought you were gay afterwards because now that I'm, I'm dating someone who presents as pretty masculine. Uh, just as a default, because g- gender is a performance and we're both lazy. Um, <laughs> but no, s- still still very much bisexual. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I came out to my dad, I feel like he didn't fully believe me. Because he's like, so have you dated a woman and didn't tell me? I was like, no. But he was like, okay. Okay. If you want to say you're bisexual, yeah. that's okay. And I'm like, okay. Well, thanks. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, like I've I've dated all across the spectrum at this point. Can still confirm. Still into everyone. <laughs> yep, still into everyone. Yep, yeah, still still <laughs> bisexual. <laughs> Surprise! It doesn't doesn't go away. I mean, it might change because you know people can change their labels whenever they want. But like, yeah, no, I love that. I love that though. I love that the. That it's not necessarily a going back to the to the manga. I love that that's not necessarily like a traditional coming out story where like the kid is for whatever reason like the story is not about him coming out to his parents. It's about his parent, his mom being accepting mm-hmm. and patient enough to let him come out to her on his own terms. Like that's. I feel like that's something that's not really talked about in the coming out experience, but mm-hmm. is equally as important important yeah is like if you think your kid is gay and you're okay with it being able to just as a parent take away any of your personal feelings and then just to be there for your kid and support them is is an aspect of the coming out process that's like really fucking important Mm -hmm. And, and that's cool to be reflected in a manga in a society that you know we talked about earlier Still pretty generally not kind to gay people. Yep. Um, so you would assume that, like, the older population probably is, is you know, pretty bad about it. it general Generalized, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I, I think that's really nice that it's a story about a parent being like, yeah, I, I, I know he's clearly not ready to tell me. And, you know, I'm going to worry about how it's going to affect his life when he comes out. But you know what? I'm going to support him. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's very That's cute. really sweet. Yeah. Um, I think volume two just came out, but it is um, yeah. being published in English. So um, I assume I could probably also find that in the library if I go look for it. BPL is very good yeah. about having manga, actually. Yeah, depending depending on on the library, um, mm-hmm. there were a couple of branches in California that I went to as a kid that didn't have like, or not as a kid when I was growing up, that didn't have a super robust manga section. Mm-hmm. But like my local home library um, that I ended up doing like my volunteer hours at in in high school, uh, they actually did have a pretty robust manga section. Surprisingly, like mm-hmm. I read Helsing. They didn't, I don't think they had, like, Yahweh or anything, because I don't think they knew to, like, if they did, it was maybe in the adult section. <laughs> I don't know. But they, like, I read most of Naruto, fucking D. Gray Man, Helsing, 
Like, they had a surprisingly robust amount of, like, variation in, in manga that, that they had at the library. So, fucking, if you feel bad about pirating and you can't afford to buy it, get yourself a library card. A lot of libraries have actually, like, their catalogs are online, too. So, like, you can check ahead. You don't even have to go there if they don't have it. You can go to a different branch. Libraries are cool. We uh, support libraries on this podcast. Yep. Um, I just use, I use Overdrive, um, which will search for ebooks in your local library. Hey. And if you're in Massachusetts specifically, uh, you can get an e-card from Boston Public Library. And you can actually use that to access a bunch of other libraries across the state. So if yeah. I, especially if it's like a very popular book, if I can't find it in like the BPL database, I can find it in like, whatever, like the Concord Library database or whatever. Yeah. And most, most libraries will do that depending on what state you're in. Yeah. Because it's, it's a, it's a government thing. Mm-hmm. It's public funded. So they usually have a pretty robust search system like that and... Like, if a library doesn't have your book, just call that branch. They'll get it from another one or order their own copy. Like, it's really easy. And I I feel like that's... Libraries are incredibly useful and need to be protected from our capitalist hellhole state. Yeah. I saw a tweet the other day that was like, libraries are so cool, but if someone tried to suggest them today, we wouldn't have them. Like, someone tried to means test it first. Yeah. We can't lend books to... um, the children of we billionaires. Can't ha- we can't have a place where poor people can congregate for free. No, we have to give them tickets for loitering in public areas. Oh my god. Like, libraries is a con- That's It's absolutely true. Libraries as a concept would be so hard to pitch today. Mm-hmm. That And that's fucking- That should scare you. If mm-hmm. that doesn't scare you, please read any history book. <laughs> Because that's fucking terrifying that yeah. that the fact that people would have trouble making libraries today. That's so scary. This house is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> Whew. What else do we have to talk about? Um, that's it. I had a very ambitious section um, about um, out queer artists in Japan. And the section is empty except for uh, Gengoro Tamage- oh, no. Tagame. Because, yeah, I just, to be fair, I was, like, running out of time to research, so they're probably out there. Yeah. Um, they probably also just don't post in English, so. Yeah. It's, it's all, yeah, it's, it's, for stuff like that, it is definitely a challenge being fans of aspects of Japanese media who are from Western parts of the world because just the language barrier, like, um... Like, online translators are clunky at best mm-hmm. for for stuff like Japanese. So it's it's difficult. Like, we don't have a whole lot of ways to access content in its native language. Mm-hmm. Um, unless we take the time to learn kanji and katakana and, and all of the several different writing systems... And I'm working characters. on it, but it's just gonna be a while. Yeah, no, I mean, I have I have several friends, you included, who are learning to read like kanji and uh, 
what's the third one? It starts with an H. Hiragana? Yeah, Hiragana, Katakana, and Kanji. Kanji. And I know that's just the different... That's just referring to, like, different characters, whether it's for for native words or, or borrowed words. But, yeah, I have several friends who are learning how to read and write Kanji, and I'm like... Godspeed. Because <laughs> that's, it's rough when you're coming from Latin-based languages that don't have a character writing system, mm-hmm. and they're all based in English characters, for the mo- or Latin characters, however the fuck you want to. The completely different writing system. Mm-hmm. It's difficult. Um, but I do have, actually, like, not to be like, hey, let me talk about S- Connor, the anime YouTuber, again. But he did, this video came out in, in August, and he did, he went to Shinjuku, mm-hmm. and he went to a gay bar, and there's actually, like, a apparently, like, a pretty decent out, I wouldn't say necessarily queer, because I'm not entirely sure, but at least out gay culture mm-hmm. in Shinjuku. Yeah. Which is, which is pretty cool. Um, he, it's. It's run by a gay man. It's uh, staffed like uh, Annie's song, which I think is just like anime themed bar. I could be entirely wrong. Oh, Annie's song. Annie's song is um. Oh yeah, I guess that is anime themed because it's short for anime song. Yeah, it's like a it's like a it's like a gay karaoke bar. Nice. Gay anime the, karaoke bar. Yeah, and the guy who who runs it is a uh, is like a professional dancer for like acts and stuff. And he's he seems like he's an older. I say older. I mean o- older than us, like mm-hmm. closer to late thirties than late twenties. You mm-hmm. know, um, like he's definitely been around the block. And I wish I could. I don't want to like go through the whole video just to like find information but we could link it in the in the podcast description because it's actually a good episode it talks about like he talks about his experience like running a gay bar Mm -hmm. uh, in japan and his some of the clients that come in um talk about like gay culture in japan right now like i think one of them is a drag queen and like specifically says drag instead of Mm cross-dressing which is which is cool that that's made it over to japan and there's a distinction in between drag culture and like cross-dressing culture too Mm -hmm. because they are distinctly different drag is a very specific thing Mm -hmm. compared to Mm cross-dressing i feel and it's just it's a good video like granted the thumbnail looks bad (laughs) the thumbnail is bad uh but as far as insights into, like, actual Japanese gay culture, it was pretty nice. Because Connor, like, he he's a white dude. He's very aware he's a white dude, which is refreshing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's, he tends to be very respectful when, um, when doing videos like that, where he's going to places and being taught how to do stuff or being in informed on situations and stuff that he's not familiar with he tends to be pretty okay from the from the videos that i've watched um because he's also done he's also gone to a cross-dressing maid cafe Hmm. and and talked to the guys who work there uh i think he went to like a gay strip club too 
where he learned how to, they were teaching him how to do the stripper pole. Nice. Um, <laughs> but I think it was like specifically like a, like more of a, if not gay, they did have male performers mm-hmm. for whatever preference you like, I think. Um, but it's, it's definitely interesting. And I love that he does these videos too, because uh, the friend that he usually does these videos where he goes places, um, her name is Shibuya Kaho, mm-hmm. uh, and she's an ex-adult uh, performer, hmm. which is fun. So she also gives her own her own perspective on, on Japanese culture from being like an ex-adult performer mm-hmm. in a culture that is both very... <sighs> I'm trying to think of the word. Like, Japan culture is both very, like, prim and... Conservative? Squeak. Prim and conservative and even, like, formal to the point of squeamishness. Mm -hmm. And then also has just this fucking... Fucking porn everywhere! (laughs) You can't go two steps in, like, Harajuku or fucking... What's the the big anime? Akihabara? Yeah, Akihabara, it's all fucking titty anime figures. Like, it's 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 a very... I mean, granted, the same could be said for America. Like, yeah, if you look at all the, look. Lingerie, the lingerie stores in the mall yeah. and, and all of that. But it's just, it's just, it's, it's a strange mix of just how formal and, like, polite and just everything is very personal and you don't talk about certain stuff. And then it's just like, look at this big titted anime girl right here on this billboard where anyone can see children walk by here, but there's this fucking, yeah, her nips are censored, but she's naked. (laughs) It's a very interesting dichotomy. Mm -hmm. And I, I, so I do appreciate the fact that we get a respectful Western perspective from Connor. And then also like the perspective of, of a Japanese person who is part of that more counter culture that's like, visually there but not like actually talked about sort of thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's good i i reckon i recommend his content yeah honestly i'll put it in the show notes yeah and then he's he does <laughs> he does a podcast too with with two of his friends called trash taste and i'm like <laughs> oh man one day trash taste two weebs collab <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's like the difference is it's like three dudes who are who are talking about anime so of course they've had like several hentai episodes <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ah, yeah, y'all are dudes. Okay, fair enough. But it's interesting because they're all non-Japan natives, but Joey, it, one of the co-hosts, is half Japanese and half Australian, and his first language is actually Japanese, so, like, he speaks it fluently. Mm-hmm. I haven't listened to a lot of it, but on his own, his own separate personal channel, I do recommend Connor, because... Mm-hmm. And he's also got a lot of, like, fun videos where he's, like, really obsessed with JoJo. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh, boy. This is, fa- this is his favorite anime. And, oh, boy, he he loves JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, and he's also done stuff like redub bad English voice acting on episodes and stuff, which is which is a lot of fun. Good. I once asked um, yeah. on Facebook, like, what the demographic for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is, and I got back, yes. Yeah, it's all it's all over the place. I could not tell you. I have not seen it, 
but I know a couple of friends who really enjoy it. So that's mid-20s, late-30s, gender, question mark, ethnicity, POC. Yeah, honestly, the demographic of JoJo is just, yeah. <laughs> like, I've seen yeah, up to... Yeah, so many people are into it. Yeah, I think, like, halfway through season two, and it's... I don't think there's a point where it starts making sense. No, that's the point. <laughs> I, I, the point is, it's a bizarre adventure. You're right. Um, but bef- but before it gets any later, because we didn't do this last time, did you want to do a quick little what have we been watching? <laughs> what have we been? What have we been up to? What have you been watching? Your list is probably way longer than mine, so I'll go first. I watched half of the episodes of the Star Wars anime. I watched up to episode three. I'm not going to spoil it. I really liked the first two. Mm-hmm. First two were, were really, really good uh, visually and story-wise were, I felt more solid. Um, the first episode is the very like heavy-handed, yes, we are finally paying respects to the content that this white man stole to make Star Wars, which was, you know, samurai movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is called... Uh, the duel. Mm-hmm. So it's it's literally just it's a black and white samurai movie, but with lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really cool. I really like the the character designs. What I find interesting about visions, and I don't know if it's because they're all standalone stories, but um, I've also been watching What If, which is the like Marvel animated series. Yeah, that's like What If, like T'Challa was Star Lord and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's alternate universe yeah. the show. Yeah. <laughs> But I find it, I find What If very jarring because it leans very heavily on all the character development kind of happening off screen and kind of assuming that you can adjust the character development that happened in like the original movies to translate over and it feels very weird. But I didn't feel that way with Visions, even though those episodes were a lot shorter. Like it feels a lot more like they have fully developed characters, which is interesting. I I think the difference is what if is still functioning in the MCU and not Marvel as a whole. Mm-hmm. So like you have to have knowledge of these previous characters and their character arcs mm-hmm. and decisions to have to get like the impact of the changes and why this version is different. Mm-hmm. Like you have to know you have to have at least baseline knowledge to be affected by the storytelling in the episodes. Like if you haven't seen Black Panther, if you haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy, if you haven't seen Endgame, the episode where T'Challa is Star Wars is going to mean jack shit to you. Mm-hmm. It's not going to make any sense. And it's not going to be cool. It's not like the differences between him and Peter Quill Star-Lord aren't going to be cool or make any sense. You're not going to care because you don't know. Mm-hmm. Where Visions, Star Wars Visions, besides one episode... So far, besides Tatooine, Tatooine Rhapsody, which is episode two, and even then, the well-known characters are more of cameos than anything. Mm-hmm. None of the other episodes deal with any characters that the watchers or fans already knew. Mm-hmm. So it requires very little previous knowledge to to get into. I feel like you're not expecting a whole character arc. You're not expecting, you don't have any expectations because you don't know these characters. You just know that it's in the same universe as Star Wars, Mm -hmm. which is a, is a, it was just a very lower level entry, entry line. I feel like 
I really liked the first two episodes. I've only seen the first three. I really liked the first two. I did not like the third episode. <laughs> what was the third one? <laughs> the third, the twins. It's like what if Luke and Leia? It's such an um, aggressively studio trigger episode too. It's so aggressively studio trigger. Like it's so anime <laughs> to the point where I almost had like I almost had to turn it off because it the di- I don't know if it was the translation, but the dialogue fucking sucked. Oh, I've been watching the sub, and that wasn't by my choice. Zach turned it on because he thought I'd be annoyed by the. But the dub, so I've only been watching it subbed in Japanese. Listen, I had to watch the English one because they got Tamora Morrison to be Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I have, I'm legally obligated <laughs> to watch the uh, the English version and support my boy Tamora Morrison. But, yeah, so, like, Tatooine Rhapsody was really cute. It was, like, a fucking, like, cartoony chibi style, and it had recognizable locations in Star Wars and, like, a recognizable concept. I thought it was really cool that they did stuff that, like, um, is not a traditional Star Wars story where, like, it focused more on this found family who were a rock band and you got hints of, like, where they came from and what their deal was without, like, going super into it. Mm -hmm. Um, And we got to see Boba Fett, so that's a win in my book. (laughs) But yeah, God, the Studio Trigger episode, like, visually, visually, it's very, very, very cool to look at. Mm -hmm. Visually, it's fantastic. The dialogue fucking sucks. I don't know who wrote it. (laughs) The the English dialogue sucks. We had subtitles on, so I know that it wasn't too different from the Japanese version either. Mm -hmm. But it was like, the dialogue was very anime. (laughs) Dialogue was the most anime anime that ever animated. Um, the storyline was a neat concept. It's basically like, what if Luke and Leia were dark side and evil and also buck wild? <laughs> and like, that's a cool concept. It's been done before in like the extended universe of Star Wars. Like they had versions of Luke who went to the dark side. But it's it was just... They had a lot of fun animating cool shit, and then I don't feel like really cared about keeping it in line with any sort of cohesive Star Wars storytelling. Like, the main characters fight in space with their helmets off. Oh yeah, I asked Zach about that. He was like, I was like, how can they breathe on space? And he was like, I don't know, the Force? And I was like, okay. Anime. (laughs) Anime. The power of anime. Is... With the literally with the power of anime because we've had Jedi go into space before and you you can live but only slightly longer than other people who can't breathe in the vacuum of space. <laughs> like being a Jedi doesn't mean shit. You can go into space without in a the helmet vacuum of space. Once. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not a huge fan of the third episode. I still have to see the rest of them. Um, really liked the first two, but. But that's what I've seen recently. What about you? You see, I have this long list. Like, I haven't been so busy for the past, like, three weeks that I'm, like, three weeks behind on everything I was watching. Uh... Oh, no. Not three weeks behind. Yeah, and when you're watching... How many... Sh- it's a new season right now, right? How many shows are you at- are actually on your list? I haven't even chosen my um, next season anime oh, yet. Oh, wow. Yeah, 
here you go, folks. That's literally how busy we've been. <laughs> it's been so busy. I have not been able to watch anime. It's bad. Yeah, that's how busy we've been. That's why we didn't record for two, almost two and a half months. Yeah, eventually I'll get around to it. But um, my faves so far have been Kageki Shoujo, which I think is getting a second season. It better get a fucking second season. Um, Kageki Shoujo is about um, these girls in a very prestigious like arts and perform- performing arts academy. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of thing where like thousands, like tens of thousands of girls apply and only about a hundred get in. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's very intense. And the story is about like the hundredth class and they cover stuff like the like they have a lot of pressure on them to uphold like the legacy of the school they've covered bullying eating disorders like performance anxiety and stuff like that oh wow it's a really good show and i don't understand why people like some people just don't like it for some reason but i love it i mean fair enough if it's dealing with heavier topics like that Mm -hmm. but like that's not everyone's cup of tea but it sounds interesting to me i'll definitely like check it out yeah i think it's it might be that like people are expecting a lot more a lighter show than it is and it doesn't have light moments but it also does dip into like stalking and online harassment and stuff like that too yeah and major trigger warning for like episodes like at least one through maybe five or so for like child sexual abuse so yeah yikes yeah oh i may have peaked my microphone with that yikes. i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> no i didn't okay we're good um yikes yeah um so yeah it's a great show but just be warned it's, it's uh it's it's dark yeah. a little dark on the darker side okay I mean, I'll check it out. It sounds interesting. Yeah. Um. The other one, I just caught up with Sunny Boy, which mm-hmm. is from Madhouse. It's directed by the same guy who did One Punch Man and Space Dandy. Okay. But it, I can vibe with that. I love fucking One Punch Man. But um, yeah, I'm on like the show page right now, and the reviews are like ten, eight point eight, four. <laughs> so it's a very polarizing Jesus. anime. And I, I get it because it's it's very weird and it doesn't fully explain mm. anything. Basically, like a bunch of kids are at school and suddenly their entire school is just floating through the vacuum of space. Not the first time it's happened. Yeah. <laughs> and basically the show is about them trying to figure out how to get home, but um, also, some of them have superpowers, uh, some of which appeared when they started drifting to, through space, some of which they already had and were just hiding. Yeah. Um, there's a lot okay, of, like... question. Yes. Is this just, like, sci-fi fantasy? Is it... It's not horror, is it? Because there are other... Dr- there's literally a very famous... Oh, drifting classroom? Drifting classroom. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, is this also a horror? Not on... Purpose? Okay, because there's there's also the other, like, there's another very famous, mm-hmm. like, dark horror girl manga. Fuck, what is it called? Um, like, if anything, it's, like, a psychological, it's it's more psychological than anything else. Like, he gets into, like, quantum mechanics at a certain okay. point. So it's very hard oh to follow. God. It's very dialogue heavy. 
I don't understand what I'm looking at half the time. But fair enough. I think it's the kind of thing that I might might start to make sense after it's over and after I rewatch it. But right now, I'm just it's not making any sense. Nope. And I'm on episode eleven, <laughs> so oh my god, it's not drifting classroom. It's it's another one that's really like really really fucked up. Mm. Um, but it's also set in uh, class. It's set in like a school. Is it detention? Um, huh? Detention? No. Mm. Uh, I got. I'm. I'm gonna find it before it's. Uh... It's not Higurashi. You don't need to list every <laughs> Higurashi novel. Please. No, that's the. F- fucked up movie nope okay it, i'm not i'm not gonna fucking find it like the title relates to um con like old school concept of of like cursing someone where you put a whole bunch of bugs in a jar and the last one that's alive that killed all the other bugs you like use it to curse someone mm. um and i just can't remember what it's fucking called but anyway <laughs> I know it's getting getting late, so we can wrap up. Yeah, I was uh, uh, I was gonna mention I also watched Tokyo Revengers, and I think it's overhyped. Okay, so um, now that I've alienated our entire audience, hey, love to do I'll, that. I'll get into Tokyo Revengers another time. We say that every episode, though. We're like, well, time to lose all our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> we say that every time. But yeah, I guess I'll do I'll do credits. Um, yeah. You can email us at weebsinatrenchcoat at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at twoweebspod. Our opening theme is My Way by Bitney. And the music you're listening to right now is What's the Angle by Shane Ivers. I'm Madison. And I'm Suzanne. I'll say, I'd say just, just go touch grass. Don't spend too much time online. Honestly... Going outside, getting some vitamin D, great for your mental health. Drink water, go outside sometimes. We love you. (laughs) Goodbye. So, Paracus is about Yukari Hayasaka, who is a high school girl who stumbles across... Hold on. <laughs> what kind of mask? No. What, what does your boy want? <laughs> I heard the door open, um, and he came out and then froze because I tried to look at him, and I was he was like, I didn't know, and I said, you could have asked, and he was like, did you text me? And I said. No. <laughs> are you are you you're recording in a different room than you were last yeah, week? Yeah, because yeah, because Zach was doing a guest episode and they could only record today, so he was in the room with like the good setup, so I'm like in the living room right now. With the janky setup. Oh, the sacrifices yeah. we make. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh where was I? <laughs>